our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaSports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Feel it coming in the air Yeah And the screams from everywhere Yeah I'm addicted to the thrill I'm ready It's a dangerous Stop. love affair Come on Can't be scared when it goes down Got a problem, tell me Stop. now Only thing that's on my mind Is who on this town tonight Hey, welcome to Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk Alex Clancy, Demery Lachey in studio Kwame Lasseter on the line 888-346-9144. Follow me on Twitter at Clancy's Corner. Follow Kwame at Kwame Lasseter. Demery, did you do your homework? Yeah, I did my homework over the weekend. What is it? Twitter. What do you mean? No, we won. The Heat won. So? If the I Heat would have lost, I would have I put up a Twitter account. Oh, that no. The, I, that was the best. Oh, I said if you wanted to be on the show again on Monday, you'd have to put up a Twitter account. We, we can <laughs> run the tape back. <laughs> um, no Triple Crown this year. Miami Heat win 98-96 in San Antonio. Great game last night. Rafael Nadal wins at Roland Garros again. That's his ninth total, fifth in a row. Uh, we're going to run through all of that today. Uh, we'll start with Miami, and it, it was a really interesting game. A lot of, lot of ins and outs, a lot of, uh, of storylines. LeBron James took over, and I'll, I'll tell you one reason as to why I believe that happened California Chrome's owner goes on a little rant after the Belmont. We'll talk about that, and we'll maybe we'll get into a little little dynasty in the making for uh, Rafael Nadal. And if that proves that he could potentially be one of the best ever, or if he's just a one-trick pony. Kwame, what did you take away from the Heat's win last night over the Spurs? Well, it was a great win for the Miami Heat. Um, and I don't want to say the first game there was heat conditioning because both teams played in those heat conditioning. It was it was interesting to see LeBron come back and bounce back from those cramps. I know immediately after the game, from all the reports that he was a uh, two IV, two IV, two bags of uh, IV. Um, after that game, and you got to understand once you get cramps, it's entirely too late. And just a lot of harsh criticisms. But the game last night was a great bounce back uh, from LeBron. Uh, what was unfortunate about the after effects or beforehand? if you will, is that the critics came out. And I, and I keep trying to forget or remember what did LeBron do wrong from the time he started playing basketball. Uh, but that game was huge for them to still one in San Antonio, then go back home to play two. Now, San Antonio is a great basketball team, so I'm not saying the series is going to be 3-1 after the uh, Miami Heat, after the home, uh, home court, two-game home court stint. I'm just saying... It was a great win to have with the option to come to finish that with 3-1 series going back to San Antonio. But San Antonio, as I mentioned, is a great basketball team. Probably is going to find a way to win one game out there. Yeah, I mean, and LeBron James has averaged 29.8 points and 54% from the field following a playoff loss in, in, the, in the last 12 playoff uh, games following a loss. He had a 35-10, 14-22 from the field. This game really changed when Kawhi Leonard got his third foul. And Kawhi Leonard had to move over and guard somebody else. They put Boris Diaw on LeBron James, and LeBron James goes nuts in the third quarter. He had 14 points in the third quarter on 6 of 7 shooting. And then Kawhi Leonard picks up his fourth off the ball when he's not guarding LeBron, and then it was kind of over after that. And Kawhi Leonard ended up fouling out. Before that, you know, Kawhi Leonard did a really good job on him. And LeBron didn't take his first jump shot until 10 minutes left in the third quarter. So it, it's it's interesting that LeBron kind of cultivated his game around getting easy ones in the key, getting offensive rebounds, getting putbacks, and he did carry this team on his back last night. Dwayne Wade was seemingly a non-factor, and it, Dwayne Wade taking nine shots total, he had five shots through three quarters, and he hasn't fallen that far off to where that's that's necessary. You know, so I'm not really sure where Miami puts themselves at the end of this game, besides LeBron just going nuts. Now, Chris Bosch had a, pre- had a pretty good game. He had that huge three in the corner to, to put them ahead towards the end. Pretty much the same play that they ran against Indiana when he missed the three at the buzzer. Uh, there was a little slip screen that was that was different this time. But uh, overall, I think LeBron was the focal point and, and the 
and the star of this game, obviously. But I don't know if this will translate into them winning three more times against San Antonio. I just don't see it. Demery? Well, I see, uh, oh. I see LeBron as the um, best basketball player in the world. I see LeBron uh, not letting down from what we know and who he, we know him to be. I do understand who the San Antonio Spurs are. I do know you have a Tim Duncan and Kawhi Leonard, who's a defensive guy, who's, who's got more freedom uh, as of late. They do not create plays for Leonard. I do know Tiago's coming into his own. Parker, Steel Parker, and then you have Diaz and Ginobili coming off the bench. I'm not taking away from who the Spurs are, but I am going to assist with LeBron James being the best basketball player, and we are witness part of greatness like we did with uh, Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson and Larry Bird and those guys. And it's easy to talk about those guys because of what they done, what they did when they were playing. Now, as far as them not being able to win three games against the San Antonio Spurs, I see there's a reason why uh, Rashad Lewis is starting now. He's getting 26 minutes. He's, a, he's also a big man. He ended up with 14 points last night, then Ray Allen off the bench with nine. Uh, you have two of the most dynamic shooters from uh, from a range uh, that you have in those two guys. LeBron James, when he's all said and done, when his mind is set, barring any injuries and fouls or cramps, he's still the best basketball player on the, field, on the court. And I'm not saying he can beat three guys. I'm just saying his teammates around him, those teammates being Bosch hitting a big three in, the, in his favorite spot, ended up with 18 points. Dwayne Wade uh, playing 34 minutes, getting 14 points. Now I'd like to see him get more points than that, but he also had four assists to uh, to go with those 14 points. The problem is, in, in my opinion, is uh, Mario Chalmers. If you can get Mario Chalmers to play, he's getting in foul tr- trouble too early. He's getting in foul trouble too early where he has to sit down. Then you have to bring in uh, Norris Cole, which is not a letdown. I think he's more active and a, a better guy on Tony Parker. LeBron James, in my opinion, still can go to go home and win two games, but that's not taken away from the Spurs. The Spurs and Popovich, they can find a way to win anywhere. And I looked for this game to go six or seven series, and whomever won those games, I wouldn't be surprised about it. Yeah, and we looked at Mario Chalmers. We talked about this on Friday. Demery and I did. Uh, Mario Chalmers needs to body up Tony Parker, and that was something that he hadn't really done, and that's what that that's how he's. His butter, his bread has been buttered on the defensive end by picking up three quarter court, bumping, and that's how he gets fouls. But but the refs let a lot of things go in the NBA playoffs. And Mario Chalmers may have gotten to Tony Parker's head with that elbow on the baseline, right into the triangle or wherever he did, where that the dropped Tony Parker like a sack of potatoes. I think that Mario Chalmers is starting to get what he needs to do, and it's difficult to play against Tony Parker. He might go down as one of the best point guards finishing in the key in, in NBA history. And if he's not already there. So he's faster than Mario. He's more skilled than Mario. And Mario needs to figure out a way to keep him away from the pain. And if that means fouling him three or four times, then then that's the way it's got to be. Because keeping Tony Parker out of the pain is the way to beat the San Antonio Spurs. Well, maybe uh, Chalmers doesn't need to play as many minutes as he did like last night, as in 31 minutes. Did he give you 31 minutes of production, offense or defensively? Not Not really. Like, you couldn't really tell. When Tony Parker was starting to get shut down was when LeBron James was on him, Norris Cole was giving him uh, chaos on, on the defensive side. So I don't even understand why, you know, Chalmers is playing 30-plus minutes when he's not making no con- con- major contributes, you know, uh, to help the Heat even win because most of it is on LeBron, period. Um, it was a big win for the Heat, bigger loss for the Spurs now. Yeah. Now they got to go into Miami trying to pick out a game or two if they're going to make it to go seven games now. I mean, I I think with the whole thing, San Antonio needed to win game one, didn't necessarily need, quote-unquote, to win game two. I think with, for for pride and for, and just for confidence, San Antonio winning game one was gigantic in this series. Because if they they go down a one, I mean, this could be it. It's back to, it's back to, uh, now, as far as the game's concerned, San Antonio Spurs had their chances just like Miami Heat had their chances to win it in the first game. San Antonio Spurs still missing free throws. I understand. I don't even think that was a foul on Mario Chalmers. I just think as far as when, when I talk about Mario Chalmers, I think he's not as aggressive or not as quick as he used to be. It's not like he's an old guy. I think he just doesn't move his feet, and he ended up reaching for a guy who's one of the fastest point guards in the league and Tony Parker. 
Charles have to put that body on him, as we, as you guys mentioned, uh, and stay in front of him. You got to be more aggressive with him, but you can be aggressive in a way where you're not creating those fouls uh, early before the three fouls before the second period, and you sitting on the bench. I, I would uh, to agree with Jimmy when you say 31 minutes. That's not a productive 31 minutes when you got five points. You the point guard, strip the ball. He had four assists with that, but you. You, Mario Chalmers, who can put up 10 to 12 points. Dwayne Wade, as I mentioned, had 14, can put up uh, 15 to 20 points and help LeBron James with that 35. But you add Rashad Lewis to the mix, a guy who's come off the bench who has height and size and he can hit the long-range jumper, gives you 14 points. Bosch gives you 18 points. Uh, I think the time with uh, the minutes Mario Chalmers had can be split up with uh, Norris Cole. Yeah, Chalmers is but playing very lazy. you free throw shots against San Antonio Spurs. Yeah, I mean, and... This game definitely changed. we got to take a break. We'll talk about this on the other side of the break. Uh, Kwame Lasseter, Sports Talk. Demery Lachey, Alex Clancy in studio. Kwame on the line. We'll be right back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. You are going global with gas. Man. Is that Matt the intern? That's here. Look, I made this show. Dude, you totally made it, man. You were doing the Big Brother trial today. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Kevin. Yeah, go ahead, Matt. All right, let's, come on. Let's play Drug Code. Where'd you learn that, Cheech? Drug School. Yeah. Are we going to play porn music or not? This program contains sexually explicit dialogue. Discretion is advised. Live every Saturday at 1 p.m. Pacific time on the VoiceAmerica.com variety channel. Going global with gas. Man. How the hell do they know that I got gas? We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Welcome back. Kwame Lasseter, Sports Talk, VoiceAmerica.com. Alex Clancy, Demery Lachey in studio. Kwame Lasseter on the line. Talking NBA Finals Game 2, 98-96. Miami takes care of business on the road in San Antonio. My, uh, before the break, we were talking about, and Kwame alluded to, San Antonio missing four huge free throws uh, down the stretch. Tony Parker missed two after the flagrant one call on Mario Chalmers with the elbow to the stomach. And then Tim Duncan missed two a little bit later on. That's kind of, I mean, yes, you can look at that toward, because it's towards the end of the game and say that that's the reason or one of the main reasons why they lost. I think that the way this game started with them going down low hard often and, and with a lot of efficiency, San Antonio is who I'm talking about, Tim Duncan, Tiago Splitter, Boris Diaw, I don't know why you get away from just pounding the ball down low. You should pound the ball down low for 48 minutes and let everything come from that. Let all of the cuts, let all the three-point shots, everything come from that. Uh, the pick and roll will work sometimes, but Miami's so much more of an athletic team than San Antonio is that they're going to be able to defend that better than just defending the two six ten six eleven guys down low who can finish around the basket in Tiago Splitter and Tim Duncan. Duncan had a double double with a minute gone in the second quarter, and then he just kind of faded away. You can lend some of that towards the Miami's defense, but I really think that. Greg Popovich, the mad genius, needs to figure out a way to keep them make having baskets in the key, keep them getting most of their shots from about five, six, seven feet out in an effort to win this series. Because I don't think that you can run and gun with Miami, and I don't think you can outshoot Miami with the way that they run their offense. Uh, Kwame, what do you think? No, absolutely. I think they spread the ball wide. I think um, if San Antonio is going to have a well, they do have a chance, and I'm about to say something crazy. They do have a chance, but if they're going to um, pull out a victory in Miami, I mean, I think you should. You got to tell Tony Parker, stop dribbling for 50 minutes, 
or you got to put Ginobili on the ball, who's a who's a more aggressive guy. Uh, and I think that works. That benefits the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, you got to look for those mismatches. I, I looked at the uh, a lot of times there was mismatches. I think uh, Kawhi Leonard once he get a mismatch, and he's a guy that they do not create and play for. But we've seen him in games where it looked like he was just taking over, like he was the guy for the San Antonio Spurs. And that was in the absence of Tony Parker. But you find it's always a guy in any certain game that comes off the bench or just ignites uh, to have that night, that kind of night where he's taking over. And somebody has to do it outside of Tim Duncan, Ginobili, and, and Tony Parker. Some guy has to step up. We see Danny, we see Green hit those three-pointers in the first game. But maybe when you get to Miami, he's hot all of a sudden. It's his night. When you, a shooter's hot, it's hard to stop him. Then you got to account for him. And now you can't double-team, and if that creates mismatch. And with Carl Leonard being, I think he was six, what is he, six, 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 seven? Yeah. Um, and, and plays at a high level. But you can't get in foul trouble on the road, or then it's, it's all downhill from there. Well, what do you think? Do you, do you think that they need to keep uh, punching it down low? To win, or do you think that they can win a perimeter game with Miami? Perimeter, a, perimeter, a perimeter game with Miami is going to be tough. I think you get the ball down low uh, first initially, you, and you have that type of game plan. You get it down low, but let, let us not forget that San Antonio Spurs shoots the three pointers just as well as Miami, if not better. I think they might be um, right there neck to neck as far as that outside jumper. So. You, you get it down low and possibly get those guys in Miami Heat in some type of foul trouble and sit some of their big guys down. The thing, the thing of it all to me, what I've noticed in the first two games was it was it's mental. When LeBron James is not on the court, the San Antonio first seems to just run away with it. They go off on like an 8 to 12-point run. And when he's on the court, it's just like a basic San Antonio team, especially with those three superstars, possibly four, on that, on that team. Um, but you have to be able to play that type of basketball with the superstar LeBron on the on on the floor, and that could be tough if you're taking away a Tony Parker, not allowing Tony Parker in the paint. That could be tough if he's getting on a, a Boris Diaz or he's on a Genova. That could be tough. Now that goes back to my point when I say somebody else has to step up outside of that big three of the San Antonio Spurs. Yeah, go ahead, Denver. Yeah, normally it's Kawhi Leonard, but I mean, I, it's been very rare of a Kawhi Leonard showing. Um, that I've seen thus far in the first two games. I mean, normally, you know, he's calling he he causes hectic on LeBron. Now, I can understand game one with the heat conditions. Maybe that took some of the uh, what some of his energy, you know, out of out of his play. But last night, I mean, Kawhi Leonard he only shot three for nine. I mean, he was missing some wide open three point shots and mid range jumpers. Normally, jumpers that Kawhi Leonard normally hits, you never say anything bad about Kawhi. But right. these last two games, especially game two, I mean, he kind of disappeared even on a defensive end. I mean, LeBron was doing anything he wanted to do. Uh, he was driving past Kawhi Leonard. Normally, Kawhi Leonard, he has a big enough body to handle LeBron's size and his speed. But it, therefore, it was no matchup from the second quarter on. I mean, and they kind of took Kawhi away from LeBron because he got into the foul trouble. So I didn't really understand where, where did Kawhi Leonard go. He, he kind of faded in the back, kind of like a Dwayne Wade as well. For the Heat. I mean, this kid's still young, and LeBron James had his horns out last night. Um, yeah, so, so it's, I mean, it's it, he's allowed to have a bad game. Right. You know, and, and I agree. Uh, it's it's just interesting that that he's, this is the most important matchup. We talked about this Friday. This is the most important matchup in the finals. Doug, I mean, uh, we have Doug on the line that we're going we're gonna to talk to in one second. The most important matchup in the finals is Kawhi Leonard versus LeBron James. And that's really unfair, really unfair for Kawhi Leonard because it's impossible to guard this guy. You can either contain him or he, or he, can, he can blow you up. So, uh, Doug, we have on the line. Doug, how's it going, man? Hello? Hey, you guys there? Yes, we are. Hey, what's going on? How's it going? We're uh, talking San Antonio Spurs. What, what, what did you uh, take away from the game last night? You know what, man? I did tell you the truth. I didn't even uh, pay pay too much attention to the game. You know, it's it's one of those things that just got caught up with everything else going on. Caught the last minute and a half, and uh, I think I turned it on when uh, they were reviewing that Ginobili strip, and I gave it to uh, San Antonio. And 
So I kind of turned around and left after that. Well, I mean that's fair. In, in, in NBA finals, in NBA games altogether, two minutes, uh, two minutes is a lot of times all you need to watch. Um, yeah. Go ahead. So, so we're talking Miami, San Antonio. Uh, Tim Duncan ties Magic Johnson for the most uh, double doubles in NBA playoff history. This guy just kind of moves along, does what he needs to do. Eighteen and fifteen. I th- is it unfair to ask? that he needs to do more? Is it unfair to ask of him to get 25 and 10, to take 25 no. shots a game? No. Especially him being that veteran leader that he's been for how many years now on that team, you you almost expect him to put up the numbers and do what he needs to do to help lead that team. Absolutely. Kwame, what do you think? Uh, Tim Duncan, um, that, that question that you asked, I, I bet you Tim Duncan asking where can he do more right now today Um but but there's there's why it's four other guys on that court with him, and you try to get the best four. Uh, it's not always the uh, you find the best four who have the quality of winning basketball games, and the chemistry comes with it. If he could do more, I'm I'm certain that he's thinking about where can I help. I'm certain the Hall of Fame coaching uh, Greg Popovich is figuring out how can we get Tim Duncan in better position to make shots. Tim Duncan's that guy he can play with his back toward the basket, or he can face you up. He's going to find a way to get his basket. What's going to have to happen is all the, old, all the guys we mentioned and Ginobili coming off the bench, and we know Ginobili can get hot streak and just take over game. Talking about Diaz coming up, Diaz coming up, boys, Diaz coming off the bench and um, doing what he does. The 32 minutes in the, of Diaz minutes, it has to equate to something uh, more than not just seven points. Now he's coming off the bench. Seven points is great, but he has to be a defensive president. He did have ten rebounds, um, seven of them defensively. But these you know, guys, other than Tim Duncan, who is probably beating himself up mentally or thoughtfully and saying, where can I help out more? Where can I do more? What if he's doing all he can, I believe. And some nights he's going to be on, some nights going to be off. But that's when we talk about your bench. I and they've had comes, a bench uh, throughout the playoffs. I think that comes through with Miami's great defensive play, though, as well. Because Miami does a great job in structuring another team's offense to play against uh, Miami's odds. They want they force guys to go one on one because San Antonio they're a team they they play team basketball that's when they beat guys when you talk when Kawhi Leonard gets hot and everyone else gets rolling because you know Timmy he's going to give you what he got and that's giving you double doubles every game he doesn't need to put up twenty five fifteen not in this series but at the same time Miami does a great job in structuring other teams' offenses to go one on one basketball yeah and that takes the odds so out of San Antonio because. You know, they're so deep. You, Everyone says San Antonio bench is so deep. Their starting five is so deep. Everybody, Anybody can go off at any second. Well, Miami did a great job in structure because it was times where I seen even Danny Green putting the ball on the ground, trying to go one-on-one. And Tony Parker, you know, he dribbles around the court one-on-one pick and rolls. I mean, Miami does a great job with their structure of defense. And I called it Friday when I told you Miami they probably need to go into a, a zone more. And they played the zone uh, throughout the second, third, fourth quarter finish the ball game out. So that zone play, it, it structures you in to go one-on-one, which is very difficult for Kawhi Leonard to produce that along with guarding LeBron James. I think that's probably what's taking some of his energy away and for him to struggle during the, throughout the ball game. Yeah, totally. I mean, and look to see, because this is where Greg Popovich tweaks things when he goes on the road in a finals game, splitting at home. Look to see uh, Manu Ginobili in the starting lineup in game three. I think that with that, he causes a lot of matchup issues. I mean, he can, he's still faster than Dwayne Wade's feet are. You know, if, yeah. so Dwayne, if, he puts, if they put Dwayne Wade on him, I mean, it's going to cause matchup issues. Even if they put Rashard Lewis on him on the defensive end, Manager Nobley can hang with Rashard Lewis. All he does is jump around the three-point line. Like, Manager Nobley's not the best defender in the world. He's a great help defender, can make a lot of things happen, can steal a lot of balls, can deflect a lot of balls. But I think that to get that extra offensive punch on the road, especially in the beginning of the game, look for Manor to be in the starting lineup next week or on on next game. Because I think that I mean that's uh, that's the X factor that San Antonio always has, and that's this is how it's been through their championship runs. And he's put him in the starting lineup many times during many clutch games, many important games. And I, I think this is the most important game in this series is Game Three in Miami. You know, and talking with. Uh about Tim Duncan, one of the plays I remember last night that kind of sticks out is just a you know kind of a little, little pick and roll, easy going. Nobody gets it to uh, Duncan, or I should say, tries to get it to Duncan. 
Duncan just looks like he was kind of going through the motions, doesn't even get the ball, and then afterwards looks at Ginobili like it was a bad pass. When if you look back at that play, Duncan should have had that, and it should have been an easy layup. But it almost looked like he just got lazy and walking through the motions, wasn't even paying attention to the pass. So that's where I'm saying he needs to step up and be better in those situations and don't blame other players when it's your bad. I feel like he's earned the right to do whatever he wants. I mean, and no, I agree. You're never you're never supposed to uh, uh, put false blame on somebody when it, when it's not their fault. But Tim Duncan, I feel like, I mean, I would like to watch that play again because I, I know what play you're talking about. I just think that things are things things happen so fast on the court that uh, that you know sometimes that stuff happens. We do need to take a break. Eight 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 three four six nine one four four. Follow me on Twitter at Clancy's Corner. Follow Kwame at Kwame Lasseter. Download the uh, Voice America radio app for your smartphones. Really seamless, really easy to get through. Uh, so you can listen to uh, listen to us and uh, whenever you want. We have archives on there, so you can listen to all of our old shows. Uh, we will be back in about two minutes. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. Welcome back. Kwame Lester to Sports Talk, 888-346-9144. Follow me on Twitter at Clancy's Corner. Follow Kwame at Kwame Lasseter. Talking Miami Heat, San Antonio Spurs, Demery. Going into Game 3, what does San Antonio need to do to win in Miami? San Antonio must play, get, get back to the basics and play team basketball. That's the only way they have a chance of winning in Miami. Um, Miami, they're going to get a, you know, they're going to get a lot of calls back in Miami. We're just going to throw that out there. So with the experience that San Antonio has and the deep roster that they have, they, they're going to have to show up and play San Antonio team basketball. Um, defensively, you know, they just got to they gotta keep uh, – I think I heard a lot of um, talk about, you know, maybe they should – they were asking Popovich last night, you know, uh, should you go and double team LeBron, throw an extra guy at LeBron? And I, I don't think they should do that at all. Um, Popovich, he's going to come up with some type of ideal plan as well, as he usually does. But uh, I don't think you should throw an extra guy at LeBron because it's so many more weapons and role players of what Miami does, which is going to open up their their better looks at their better percentage of sh- shots of going in. So don't throw an extra guy at LeBron. Play straight up man defense. Uh, control the paint as well. Like when you get like Bosch, because Bosch did a terrific job. It was finally a presence in the paint for Miami for uh Consistently throughout the game, through from Chris Bosh, which he finally manned up and went down inside the paint, had a great ball game with that outcome. But at the same time, San Antonio they must dominate the paint offensively and defensively, and they could come out with a win by playing team basketball and staying out of foul trouble. We saw a shift in the tides after LeBron got called for the technical foul last night. He got every single call after that. Yeah, every single brush up by Kawhi Leonard. He got everything he wanted for the rest of the game. So I hope that this isn't a a, a look forward in, into the rest of the series with regards to LeBron getting every call in the book just because somebody quote-unquote made a mistake and gave him a technical or, or whatever it was. I agree with you. I think that they might need to play zone. <laughs> I mean, they, well, I mean, this looks like they won't because it's Popovich. Um, right. He has too much pride to play a you know a, a high school defense, um, even though it works. 
It does work. Something needs to happen. They need to. Boris Dio is not the answer because he's not fast enough. Uh, I just think you need to give Kawhi Leonard the keys to the castle again and just be like, go do it again. Because he's done it in the past. And I just think that once you're off guarding LeBron and you get back onto guarding LeBron, it's a completely different thing. It's like being on the Autobahn instead of being on the freeway in Arizona. I mean, it's, it's something that's completely different. You have to have that mindset going in, staying throughout, and then all the way to the finish of the game. You can't take time off with that. And he couldn't play his full defense, to his full defensive capabilities because he was in foul trouble. So that made him second guess every step that he takes in an effort to not, in, in an effort to not commit a foul, which allows LeBron to do what he wants. He did kind of keep LeBron at bay until he got that third call, until he got that third foul call. Yeah. Um, in the in the paint, nobody can stop him, and that's fine. A couple of his buckets were off offensive rebounds, um, and then he just went nuts. If he's hitting eighteen twenty footers, you can't beat him. If, if LeBron James is making jump shots, nobody can stop him. No, That's just the way it is. And I think going home, if they're going to lose one of two, it'll be game three. And I know that's weird to say, but I think San Antonio will have... They'll be watching tape every second of every day until they get there, figuring out a way to stop LBJ. And Chris Bosh isn't going to shoot that well again. There are things that fell in Miami's favor. They shot over 50% from the field. San Antonio shot 44% from the field at home. So a lot of things went Miami's way that wouldn't normally on the road. So I think that it, the same could be said for Game 3 in Miami. So I agree with you. They need, they need to demand presence in the paint on offense and defense. We're speaking of San Antonio. And, you know, just hope LeBron doesn't go nuts. I mean, yeah. that, that's really what you have to do, yeah. especially from the defensive side of the ball. That's what I was saying. Big win for Miami, but it's a bigger loss for San Antonio because now you got to go to a very hostile environment in, in South Beach. Miami Heat hasn't lost one game in the playoffs at home, all playoff series, all throughout the whole playoffs. It's, yeah. it's a very hostile environment for yeah. San Antonio to go into. Yeah. And now they, they're rolling. They're just coming off the win. Miami got a lot of confidence in there back at home where you get great more shooting better performances through your Ray Allen, your Mario Chalmers, and Norris Cole, and then you just got the other guys. They might even throw Batty in, in there. He gets the rolling at home as well. So the odds are very much – and I, I even seen a sighting of James Jones last night from Miami. Yeah, bench. right. So he never misses at home. So they're like the odds of – and he had some great looks last night. So the odds of San Antonio going into Miami, it's, it's – it's very. I'm. I'm I, I don't know what Popovich is going to do. I don't know what strings he's going to pull, but it's going to be very exciting. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that this home court advantage thing with regards to shooters and people that perform better at home, I think that works about the first quarter, first quarter and a half, and then everybody kind of settles in. It, it's only, it's only a home game, quote unquote, for the first quarter and the last quarter. Yeah. Everywhere in the middle, you just play basketball. And yes, it's louder. Yes, it's harder to hear your teammates if you're on the road. Yes, you have people yelling at your face. But that stuff, I mean, all these seasoned veterans, they, they've seen this from day one. So this isn't something that really affects them. Uh, with regards to the shooters, yes, if you start, you're going you're gonna to pass the ball. I mean, Mario Chalmers is going to take a couple threes early. Uh, it depends on who starts for Miami. Uh, in the fourth quarter, you know, you have guys come in, Shane Battier, all players like this, Ray Allen. Uh, it, it might help them a little bit later, but for the for the mean potatoes of this game, it's not going to make that big of a deal. And that's something that it's people talk about it so absolutely, like, oh, well, this shooter is going to be on for the whole game. It's really just where emotions are high, and that's for the first six or seven minutes of the first quarter, which is when after that is when all the players, when all the uh, fans show up in Miami. So it might be empty to begin <laughs> with there, anyways. And then in the fourth quarter, down to crunch time, especially free throws towards the end, when you have San Antonio, who's obviously struggling from the line, you know, the fans screaming and yelling and everything like that. Right. But we'll see. I mean, I, I would agree with you if it were anybody but San Antonio. I just, I, I think that they're just blind to all of it. I yeah. mean, you're affected a little bit. I understand that you're on the road in an NBA final series. It doesn't matter how long you've been in the league for. You're still going to have some, there's going to be some adverse effects. But I don't think that it's going to be detrimental to them moving forward at all. They do have the experience, but, I mean, Miami, they're, they're undefeated. Yeah. They don't lose at home in, in this playoffs. And it's 
written on the wall. So it's going to be a very hostile environment for San Antonio. But if you do trust the team, yeah, I, I could trust the San Antonio going into Miami um, with the with the depth of their roster again. And they just need to make a few little adjustments on how to to guard LeBron better. I mean, like something. Uh, Besides, like, like, I mean, when I, when I was saying, you know, I don't think they should throw an extra guy, even with him driving to the basket, because that's just going to only get other guys in foul trouble. That's going to hurt you. So, therefore, you just got to play him, sag him off, sag Kawhi Leonard off, tell him to stay in front of him, body him when he needs to in the post, and let the other players beat you. Don't let LeBron's overall game beat uh Beat you, beat the Spurs. Then why wouldn't you double him if if you want other people to beat you? Well, that's when the LeBron's is he. That's where he when he's at his best. His when Magic Johnson his double, comes into play. Yeah, that's when he turns to Magic LeBron James and <laughs> throws the assist to Chris Bosh on the wing and throws. That's when Ray Allen gets to going on the wing and D Wade's cutting to the basket. I mean, that's when that's what Miami want. They want you to double team LeBron. Yeah, and it's funny that everybody's going to be like, oh, we made the same pass, and he's good to great, such a great facilitator, the trusting Chris Bosh again. Chris Bosh was wide the hell open <laughs> last night. Yeah. He had two guys running at him in Indiana. So, I mean, he was. I mean, he could have had a cup of tea before taking that shot. So, I mean, it was a little bit easier for him to execute that play last night, not taking anything away from him because he was in the key, and he could have taken a little leaning 14-footer, but he did pass the ball to Chris Bosh. Uh, Kwame, you back? I'm back. Oh, nice. Stop yelling at me. So we had uh, all the things that led up to Chris Bosh hitting that three last night. LeBron, everything in that regard. I just asked Demery, what does San Antonio need to do on the defensive side of the basketball to stop LeBron in game three in Miami? Oh, you can't double team him because you got too many weapons around him. He has too many weapons around him. It's kind of like Jordan. Don't look at me like that. Yeah, I'm strong and Paxton and those guys, uh, Steve Kerr. That's a good question. It's a great question. In fact, you try to double-team LeBron, you just got to keep um, stay out of foul trouble. And I, and I say stick with Quad and mix it up a little bit. You don't go to Quad for four, for um, two halves of a basketball game. You mix it up and give LeBron different looks, put different people on him uh, at different times so he doesn't get in the rhythm. Once one guy is on you, you get in the rhythm for what moves you can do against him and vice versa. But you make him work on both ends of the basketball uh, court, and that's probably the best way or the better way uh, to wear them down in the end where you still have a chance because the San Antonio Spurs always have a chance in, in most basketball games. I say always, then I say most. But they always have a chance in basketball games. Uh, so you have to make LeBron James work on both hands. He's, he's accustomed to doing 38 or more minutes and, and getting those 35. But you can keep him under 35 uh, just, just from him being exhausted or giving him different looks, putting different bodies on him. Then you get a, you stand a chance if you San Antonio Spurs and winning that basketball game even on the road. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and that makes sense. I understand that. A couple things though. Number one, if he has fifty and zero assists in game in game three, that's fine. You know, it, it's it's him facilitating. It's him getting offensive rebounds and getting putbacks, and him getting defensive rebounds and just starting the break that are the issue. Him scoring points is is the least of people's worries in, in the grand scheme of things. And, and look at what happened last night. The pass he made is what was the, the game-changer towards the end. Number two, if, in my opinion, what you need to do is just keep him out of the key. That's it. All you have to do is keep him outside of that painted area around the basket, make him shoot 15-footers all game. If he shoots 14 for 18 from the field, live with it. Him getting to the line and him getting easy layups, putbacks, everything in that, everything under that umbrella, is what kills teams. Make him shoot 18-footers and make him beat you from the perimeter. Make him be a three-point shooter. Don't you think LeBron uh, has an all-around game now? Don't you think if if they're going to keep him outside of that paint, you're going to have to put two guys on him or you're going to have to be ready uh, having a staggered defense around him or in front of him? Don't you think he's capable enough, more than capable enough, to make that pass like he did last night? You remember the first game he made that pass to to uh, Chris Bosh, and he missed that, and we wonder why. Damn, LeBron, take that shot. You you, you tie the ball game up, but you, it, it's hard to question a guy uh, who's arguably the best basketball player uh, on the planet right now. It's hard to question his decisions because we questioned him early in his career when he wouldn't close in the final minutes of basketball games. But then yesterday he makes that pass to uh, Chris Bosh, and this time Bosh knocks it down, so all is well. But I think he's 
more than capable enough, if you're going to keep him outside of the paint, that he's going to make a great pass or put it in one of the guys. And obviously one of the guys who's going to be on the court can knock those shots down. I think it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard pressed and tough to, to defend this guy. So that's why I say, and I think you make him work on both ends. You give him different looks, put different bodies on him. It's, and I say different bodies. It probably can be one or two, maybe Boris D.R. and, and Carl Leonard. Uh, I don't know who else. Splitter, Splitter's not going to be able to do it because you got to keep him in the paint for uh, Chris Boston, those guys. 888-346-9144, Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. Alex Clancy, Demery Lachey in studio. Kwame Lasseter on the line. We'll be right back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are going global with gas. Man. Is that Matt the intern? That's here. Look, I made this show. Dude, you totally made it, man. You were doing the Big Brother tryout today. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Kevin. Yeah, go ahead, Matt. All right, let's come on. Let's play drug code. Where'd you learn that, Cheech? Drug school. Yeah. Are we going to play porn and music or not? This program contains sexually explicit dialogue. Discretion is advised. Live every Saturday at 1 p.m. Pacific time on the VoiceAmerica.com variety channel. Going global with gas. Man. How the hell do they know that I got gas? Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? <laughs> Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Engelhart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Welcome back. Final segment. Kwame Lasher with Sports Talk 888-346-9144. We've been talking NBA Finals basketball for the first three segments. We're going to segue over to Steve Coburn, co-owner of California Chrome, goes on this rant about um, after California Chrome didn't win the Triple Crown with regards to having only three horses run in the Kentucky Derby and the Preakness, who also ran in the Belmont. There are only three horses, including his, that have run in all three. And that begs the question, is it fair to have longer distance Horse uh, horses run the Belmont and not the first two, and it's it's interesting because we don't really look at horse racing as a, uh, as a popular sport except for three days out of the year, uh, or even you know with the lead up from the Preakness to the Belmont, if one horse has won the Derby and the Belmont and the Preakness, but we don't see it as a as a top tier sport in the United States. There's a lot of money in it. There's a lot of training that goes into it. And the shelf life for horses isn't, isn't more than a few years. So actually seeing a face of the owner of, of California Chrome, who is you know, it, it, in the bid to win the Triple Crown, which would have been the first in, time since 1978, go on this rant about, and he even alluded to him playing basketball against a kid in a wheelchair at one point in his rant. So his whole thing was that you know, he thinks that all horses should race in all races. And, I mean, I don't necessarily disagree with him. Uh, he also said that, that it, it was a conspiracy towards, you know, California Chrome with all the other jockeys to pin his horse against the rail and with, with, with uh, the inability to get out in the last stretch. And he did get out. It was just a little too late. Three, two other horses beat him. Three horses beat this horse total. So I don't know how you can pinpoint one horse or a group of horses that it had a conspiracy towards yours because they didn't race in the first two races. So no, it's kind of convoluted, and I'm kind of all over the place with my statement. I just don't really understand why this is an issue at all. This guy lost his race, he lost a lot of money, and, and he's pissed off about it. I don't really understand why he has to scapegoat uh, you know, the horse racing as, as a sport. Kwame? When you're on the edge of greatness and... and 
and Victor Espinosa for the second time on the edge of graces, uh, greatness, and then you tend to lose your mind when it doesn't happen for you, when you're right there on the edge of you, right there on the cusp of, of winning a triple crown. And because there's a lot of money involved with that, you, as far as the uh, studs, as far as what you uh, do with your horse afterwards, the money you can make afterwards, um, I, I'm not, I don't agree with uh, his rant that the other horses should have had to race in all three of them. What if one of the horses was done? Now, that will go to a committee. Was the horse hurt and got healthy and come back? Or you just set him out and raced it? Um, and to me, it's all, it's all, well, if I, if I got a horse that I can rest up, and, and, I, and I put it in another content as far as the sports, well, if I got a team where we know we can be, and I don't have to play all my starters, and I got a championship game the week after, well, I play my starters a little bit and play a championship game with all my starters and beat you. Um, even though you played all 16 games or your starters have played all 16 games, well, I don't have to do that because I know uh, some of my reserve guys can beat your, your, your reserve guys or starters. And if we lose the game, we're still in the championship game, something like that. Um, so I don't know. I understand his rant, but I don't agree with it because he just lost his mind temporarily insane because he was on the edge of greatness as an owner with his horse, uh, California Chrome. And then you looked at uh, Victor Espinosa, who's, uh, who's the only jockey that had two cracks of winning that title uh, of the Triple Crown. So it's kind of uh, on both ends. His analogies of him playing against a kid in the wheelchair was all that was to say was it was unfair. Well, it's not unfair. I don't have to race my horse. There's no rule, no law against me having to race in all three of these events. It's just I was looking for an excuse of why those other horses shouldn't have been in there because I would have had a chance of capturing a, a triple crown with my horse. Yeah, and becoming, yeah. No, no, no. That, and that, more yeah. money afterwards. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. And affirmed, lest we forget, only raced, I think, against four other horses in the Belmont Stakes. When when that horse won it in '78, so the times have changed, and there's a lot more horses running because there's a lot more money in it, and it's it's interesting. Do you think? And I'm going to ask you and Demery this. Do you think that he has merit though in what he's saying? Should they change the rules? Should the Belmont Stakes go first? Should the Belmont Stakes go second? Do you keep the longest race for the last? Automatically, there's no way this is ever going to change because it would obviously change history. It'll change if the I same. have to pay more attention to. I will, I will have to pay more attention to horse races. My extent of hello, uh oh, what's the goal? Well, you get you get to answer Is first it, then. Well, yeah, I guess I go first. But uh, along with what Kwame saying, like I don't I don't have that much structure on horse racing. I don't really pay that much attention to it. But I have gained more interest of it. Um, as of probably, probably as of like the last year or so, but um, to go along with your question, yeah, I think the Belmont Stakes should have been first. Save the big Kentucky Derby, you know, the other uh, Triple Crown races uh, behind the Belmont Stakes because uh, I understand where he's coming from. You throwing in fresh horses against you know uh, tired horses who've been through the Kentucky Derbies and the other uh, of the Triple Crown races, and um, for. <laughs> for the owner, you know, he's going for the big triple crown victory. So, therefore, he's putting more money into it. He has more money he can get from it. So, him seeing in that point of view, he's like, it's very frustrating. But you don't go ranting out talking about kids and comparing to, like, kids in wheelchairs. You, you, you don't do that. You stay away from that. Yeah. Stay away from I mean, also, also, this this guy only spent about six grand on this horse. Yeah. Comparatively speaking. So, uh, oh, Kwame's back. So... This guy only spent six grand on this horse, so it's it's interesting. You know, it's it's just an intriguing storyline where Definitely. traditionally storylines aren't that intriguing in horse racing, in my opinion. But he came back then and apologized this morning. Yeah, of course, morning of course, you did. So yeah, so we got yeah, so people uh, people now know uh, who he is. Not, not to compare to Donald Sterling, but Donald Sterling played twelve point five for his team, and he got two billion off it. Uh, <laughs> but he had a horse that was on the cusp of greatness. So that's I think it's more so. I paid six grand. What a great. What a great investment I have in this whole, in California Chrome. What a great investment! How much money I could have made if he wins the triple if he wins the triple crown. And and I think it's more of that because guys, you know, you right there on the edge, you say crazy things. Look at Richard Sherman uh, after the NFC Championship game; he says crazy things. Um, and look at the reaction of Crabtree. It's just in the heat of the moment, and 
we say some things that hey, you got to be more conscious, and that's why you don't let reporters in the locker room after a football game win, lose, win or lose, or a draw. You don't let them in the locker room because you give those guys time to calm down, and get their thoughts together. Because once that mic get in your face, and, you know, and those reporters they do, they ask the dumbest questions, but they know who to put the mic in front of. So you, hey, of course, he apologized, but I think it's more so he looking at that investment that. The six thousand dollars and what could have, could have become of that if he went to Triple Crown. And it's still a great. He still got has a great horse, um, and he still can make money off it. There is a pedigree to it. He, he has some success with the Kentucky Derby and the Preakness. Yeah. Los Angeles Kings, New York Rangers, Game Three tonight. Los Angeles Kings are. We have about two minutes left. So Kevin, this is your segment. We have about two minutes left. Los Angeles Kings go down three one in goals in the second period of Game 2 at home. Come back to tie, go into double overtime, and slap shot with a deflection, puts them up 2-0. Two games that they had no business being in, seemingly, especially in the first period. Game 3, do they bring the Magic to New York and go up 3-0 in this series, or do the Rangers have something to say and take this, take this first game at home? Well, they shouldn't have been there in the first place. If you look at their prior two uh, series where they were down 0-3 and they found a way to win those games, I think the the, the Rangers, do, they do have something to say. They've had something to say in the prior two games. But the Rangers are a quicker team than the the uh, the Kings. Uh, the Kings are just bigger and stronger, and they hang around and they bully you at the end, and that's how they, they tire these guys out and they get those points. And some of it's, you know, you, you do have some luck at the draw, lucky putt shots. Uh, and it happens in, in hockey. But I think the Rangers are just a bigger team, uh, and they find a way to bully them at the end. And I'm not the Rangers, I'm something. The Kings is a bigger team, and they bully them at the end. So I think it comes down to uh, those that third period. Yeah, so we'll see. I mean, it's I'm going to be watching. I'm, I'm captivated. Um, Kevin Gaswin's throwing me. Uh, the Kings were down two goals three times on Saturday, which is, uh, you know, it, it, it just shows that the Kings can win 1-0 matches, and they can win 5-4 matches because they have that firepower if needed. And you're right, they're bigger and stronger, but they're not, they're not as fast. And their goalie in, in New York, I, I still think, is a little bit better than Jonathan Quick. But, but we'll continue to see what happens. Game 3 tonight, uh, we got to go. Kwame Lasseter, Sports Talk, Alex Clancy, Demery Lachey in studio. Kwame on the line. We will see you guys tomorrow. for tuning in this week. Join us every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Tune in to the Voice America Variety.